You're listening to the Bible Chunks Read-Through Podcast in association with the Limadine Bible Reading Plan and Charles River Church. To have your own copy of this reading plan sent straight to your inbox, you can sign up at charlesriver.lmd.church. For more information about Charles River Church, visit charlesriverchurch.com. We read the whole story to make whole disciples of Jesus. Hey, welcome to Bible Chunks, where we read through the Bible in the chunks or sections based on themes that it was designed to be read in so we can get a better handle on the story of God. My name's Kevin. That's enough about me. Let's dive into the Word. Today we'll be reading Romans 9.1 through 11.36. 90 verses today. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow an unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race according to the flesh is the Christ, whose God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed, For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Not all are children of Abraham, because there is offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year I will return and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I've raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You'll say to me then, Why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? What, will, will what is molded say to its molder? Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy? which he's prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he's called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed, he says in Hosea, those who are not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it is said to them, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, 
If the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it? That is a righteousness that's by faith. But that Israel, who, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching the law? Why? Because they didn't pursue it by faith. But as if it were based on works, they've stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written. Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they've not all obeyed, all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their word to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I'll make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I'll make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I've shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I've held up my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite. I'm a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God's not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they've killed your prophets. They've demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I've kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened, as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? 
by no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the rejection of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches." But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it's not you who support the root, but the root who supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness toward you, proven you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree. How much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Lest you be wise in your own sight, I don't want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He'll banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins." As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience, that he may have mercy, on all. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments, and how unscrutable are his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Well, this section here is uh, just super rich and, and a lot of times misunderstood. It, it's a very divisive passage, at least chapter 9 is. But I think that if we read it in context, uh, we can see that God is coming off of his, his conversation. It's, it's, it doesn't plop down out of nowhere. It's, it's based on everything that he has said so far. And so the law uh, has shown us that we are sinful and that uh, the law is good and that we are bad, but we need God's grace through Christ in order to be, uh, be made new. 
new creations who have new inward uh, godly desires so the law is now written on our hearts so that the law is good we need to be made new we need to be forgiven and the law can be written on our hearts so that we as we follow christ and become more like him then uh, we become more more and more pleasing to god in the way that we're behaving although our our justification in our justification through christ we are fully pleasing to god in christ now as he comes into chapter 9 you can see his his softness towards Israel, his, his brokenness over the sins of his people and their rejection of the Messiah. And so as he's saying that he says that his witness in the Holy Spirit, his conscience bears witness in the Holy Spirit that he has great sorrow and unceasing anguish in his heart for those who have rejected Christ of his own people in Israel. It, this is kind of that glaring thing. Well, if Jesus was Israel's Messiah, why did Israel reject Jesus? And, and Paul is saying, well, they they did, but they didn't. Not, Paul himself is a Hebrew. Paul himself is an Israelite. So were all of the disciples. So were all of the apostles. So it's not the fullness of Israel that has rejected Jesus. It is uh, the the... The, the powerful, the, the, those who would have the law and, and make their own self-righteousness out of the law rather than submit to Christ's righteousness and the gospel. So Paul's saying a hardening has come upon Israel. A partial hardening has come. But that hardening has come in God's will according to his plan in order that the Gentiles might be brought in. Remember what God said to Abraham? said, through your offspring, all nations of the world are going to be blessed. And that offspring is singular. It's, it's through your offspring, this one who is to come, all the nations of the world will be blessed. So, so God has blessed uh, Israel. He has continued his faithfulness towards her, even though it has caused, we've read the whole story. He's brought them into the land. They rebelled against him. He sent them into exile. He brought them back into the land. They've rebelled against him. And the, the, the rebellion this time looks very different than the rebellion last time. The rebellion last time was idolatry and inviting false gods into Israel. The, the, the rebellion this time is man-centered, although it looks God-centered. The rebellion this time is a religiosity resulting in self-righteousness. And that's, that's a more subtle and sneaky way for the devil to work. And so uh, their, their rejection of Christ reveals that they are trusting in themselves and not trusting in God. Even though they're following the law, they're doing it in their own power in order to bolster themselves up rather than with the, the, the humble and, and Godward heart that he desires. And so he's saying that the salvation that God has sent is for all. And, it, it, and, and so now then he turns his attention to the Gentiles and he says, okay, Gentiles, God has hardened Israel partially until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Now, what you're going to be tempted to do is get arrogant about that. Don't get arrogant about that because God didn't do this uh, because you're awesome, just as he didn't choose Israel because they were awesome. He did it because he's awesome. And so he, he, he's, he uses the, the olive metaphor. He says, like, God, so what if God cut some, some branches off of the olive tree so that he could graft in this wild vine of the Gentiles? Don't get cocky about that. Gentiles, you are grafted into the vine. You don't support, uh, you, into the tree. You don't support the root. The root supports you. So watch out. 
And so he, he then talks about how uh, this has all been God's plan the whole time. And, and so if this is as glorious as it is right now in the inclusion of the Gentiles, how much more glorious is it going to come when Israel does recognize Christ eventually? And the day is coming when the fullness of Israel will, will repent and, and recognize Christ and, and they will be one with the church. And what a day that will be. It, it leads Paul into praise for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And so as we wrap up this section today, I'd ask you to consider what does this section of scripture, scripture tell us about who God is, what he's like, and what he wants for the world and for you? What does it tell you about yourself? And then finally, what was it that the Holy Spirit uh, was stirring up while we were reading? Take those thoughts, turn them into prayers, and we'll be right back here tomorrow. Until then, God bless.